Welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Exploring alternative investment opportunities available to the everyday investor. Here's your host, Ben Lakoff. Hello and welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Today's interview is with Sami of Sevens. So episode 71 with Board Elon and 73 with Ryan Wyatt, I talk a lot about blockchain gaming. These guys come from a different perspective. All of these perspectives are very, very important, but also very different. So Sami is a builder actually in the trenches building blockchain games. So it's a, it's a very unique perspective. His game, Sevens, could be really, really fun. And I think ultimately we'll continue to see a lot of experiments like this of integrating blockchain and crypto and NFTs and all sorts of tokens integrated into these games in more unique ways that actually enhance the playability and the gameplay of these games as opposed to just being a play to earn sort of situation that doesn't 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 hold water that much so blockchain gaming could really be the next big thing could be the DeFi summer all over again for gaming but i think understanding it is very very crucial what it is what it isn't and where it could go because i think ultimately we're still very far off on like when these things are integrated in ways that make sense but we'll get there eventually that's for sure if you have enjoyed this podcast please share it with a friend who you think it would get any value of it and send me a message if you have any input i'm always happy to hear from our listeners all right, Sami on building blockchain games. Enjoy. Sami, welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, looking forward. And you're out in New York, so next week I'll be there. But, you know, we're a, a United States a, a, apart right now. So I'm excited the to talk. The internet brings us closer together. <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> it's super convenient. And actually, I have like the, the setup for recording remotely, and then I tried to record in person. It's kind of a disaster. You got to get a whole different setup. So I, I prefer the remote anyways, a little bit easier. Today, we're going to talk quite a bit about blockchain gaming, where it is, where it's going. So I have done a few episodes on this already. So my audience will recognize the theme, but episode 71 with Bored Elon, a lot of what he's doing, and then 73 with Ryan Wyatt, so CEO of Polygon Studios, was also a good one. Talking macro, why blockchain gaming could be important, but uh, those guys come from a, a certain perspective and you're a builder in the space, so also a very different perspective. So trying to get this holistic approach of what is blockchain gaming? Why is it important? And what investors need to know about it? So we'll get into all of that, but wanted to start off a little background, who you are and how you got into what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So I used to be an engineer in various Silicon Valley startups. Most recently, I worked at a company called Flexport. Then in the middle of COVID, a lot, was, a lot of things were changing the world. So I said, let me quit. Let me explore some company ideas. I actually was originally working on this NFT marketplace idea for, for TikTok stars. And then I, I met, went to LA, I met my co-founder. Uh, he was actually making like a crypto game at the time. And we were both really big gamers. So we started playing a lot of like competitive games online together. And uh, around this time also was when like Axie started kind of coming onto the scene and, and that, that got us really excited. But we kind of noticed there, there's 
an interesting thing going on where we thought, okay, this game is not that cool, but the con there, again, there's like a seed of this idea, which is really interesting, which is like, hey, the, the idea of rewarding players for playing or having ownership in the games you play is really cool. And we obviously felt like, hey, we're, we basically both come from engineering backgrounds. We both know blockchain very well. All the game players are not going to really understand this, how to, how to integrate it. And so we were basically combined the worlds of saying, hey, let's make a game that's actually fun and then combining the proper aspects or integrate crypto properly into a game as opposed to doing it with potentially dubious results. Yeah, well, dubious results, but like we talked about this before we started, it's kind of like part of the progression of getting this like perfect seamless integration of crypto and fun and games and all of it. But yeah, certainly right now it's not that fun. I mean, we're playing people, paying people to game. <laughs> yeah, I think what's, I mean, zooming out, if you just look at like crypto or tech cycles generally, this is exactly what happens, right? Like look at 2017 with ICOs. Most of those ended up being basically nothing, went to zero, but then ICOs basically then brought in all these people who did, who created like all these DeFi protocols. And so that kind of caused the DeFi summer. My theory is that Axie was basically like kind of like the ICO moment for crypto gaming, where now a bunch of people copied that. Again, most of like the, the blockchain games right now probably going to zero realistically, but there's a lot of teams I'm like just like us with that, that said, oh, this is like a very interesting concept. If we combine this in the right way, this is going to do very well. So, and then like this, the, the, the timing of this is very perfect, right? Like the bubble has kind of popped now. We are going to have bear market for, I don't know, X amount of time. And then my, I'm actually very confident that the next cycle is going to be a, a lot about blockchain gaming. That's going to be like, like they're going to have the DeFi summer event. It's going to be like a blockchain gaming summer again, in probably like roughly one, one to one and a half years in my prediction. Yeah. I lean toward that prediction as well, which is why it's like early and time, time to like really understand blockchain gaming, what it is, why it's important, where it's going potentially and how to play it. So we'll get into all of that, but so one to two years, I mean, I guess I've just start like, how early are we with blockchain gaming? That's an interesting question. Early as in like total adoption of all games or like how, how what's your metric for earliness? Yeah, until like, until crypto is integrated in a way that makes sense and is fun and then potentially like more large scale people are playing it. So I guess the way I would answer this is maybe like what, how, how close are we to like the first mainstream consumer game that does this well i think basically like between one and two years i think it's there there's going to be one or a few games that basically come out in the next in one to two years from now that basically all are going to spawn like this re revolution in, in nft gaming the reason i say that timeline is again because i think that making a game people are realizing is like not trivial basically uh, there's this thing going on where like all these blockchain people started learning oh like gaming is a really good use case for crypto, but then none of them really know how to make games. So they're basically trying to figure out how to make games and products. And then they get, there's these gaming people that right now still are like not taking crypto too seriously or either that, or they're like still hesitant. They don't want to integrate it. They're like, let's see how it plays out. And so they know how to make games, but they don't really understand like how is, how is blockchain going to plug into it yet. And so I basically just think that over the next year, there's that information is going to diffuse and people are going to like understand how to do that problem my prediction is that the blockchain group basically there's a small percentage of them that can figure out how to make games and they'll mm -hmm. make games that, that properly integrate it and so that's that my estimation is about one to two years 
until it's like mainstream, like most games have it, you need a few more years, but like the, the genie will be out of the bottle in, in about a year's time, in yeah. my opinion. And I, it's not really binary, right? That like all games are blockchain games or zero games are blockchain games. So we'll see like this bleeding of it. But I think it's important for people to understand that games take time, good games take time. And yeah. this launch an NFT, build a game in the next three weeks, it's not going to be a good one. But like, walk me through your vision of what blockchain gaming looks like like down the path whenever it's like well integrated like what characteristics does it have or like just paint me a picture of like what an ideal blockchain gaming environment looks like for gamers yeah so i think before i even get into that there's a lot of like unlearning i would say people need to do around this topic uh because i think what happens in general with bleeding edge technology is that you'll see one application of something. So let's say like any, any cryptocurrency, right? And you'll say, oh yeah, this has like insanely high gas fees. And so this could never be viable as, as X, Y, or Z use case. And the, what happens is then that like, they kind of dismiss the entire category and they're like, okay, this is like not real. I think the same thing has basically happened now in gaming there where the initial, the first blockchain games were basically very based around like Ponzi economics, where I guess just to quickly summarize, what ha happens is that someone has to buy an asset to play the game, and then people play this game. And then typically by playing, they can produce some asset that then allows them to like create more of a thing that people want. So it's just like the circular loop of like selling things to new players coming in. It's like textbook Ponzi scheme, basically. I think people now rule have, when they hear the word blockchain gaming or they hear play to earn or any of these terms, they their mental model goes to that. And so that is one attempt at this. I think like if we zoom out, what is that? The actual objective we want to achieve is not necessarily that. Again, that was one attempt, not saying, I'm, I probably maybe would not come up with something better at the time, but like now we know what that is. Um, it's more to me, like how can you just reward people for playing a game? That's it's as simple as that. Play to earn, I think all it means is that we're getting some sort of reward for playing. And so the longer term vision of that, I think, is kind of expanding what it means to play or like getting value for your time. So one example is that there are skins in games, right? Um, why, why are these skins right now centralized things? Why can't I actually own the skin that I have and then kind of trade it on a secondary marketplace? Another thing is like, I right now I can earn chests in like various mobile games or there's like tools for retention where like maybe I'll get coins. Why can it be that these coins out, like I, those coins give me the right to earn some amount of this game's profit every, every month, right? This, this actually, that that's, has just never been possible before. Like, let's say a game wanted to do this. Let's say a game said, we don't want to have, make any profit. We want to redistribute all of our earnings to all of our players. And it's an international game. This is just fundamentally was not possible before. And so this is kind of like the, again, this is the, I'm not saying this is the, the best model, but this is the most obvious thing of like, okay, what is like new capability that you have that would be cool and would make a game popular? If a game redistributed all of its earnings via tokens to all of its players, that is an extremely valuable, like basically user acquisition and retention tool because now people are going to be, be like, oh, I'm an owner of this game. When it becomes more popular, I get rewarded. I'm being rewarded for my time. So that's kind of how I see it actually playing out in the long term. And there, it depends on the game, how this is going to look, where I think, again, it's, it's important to realize that this is not blockchain is, is an economic tool. So it's not like you can just 
a random, it's not like a product feature. It's not like, oh, this, this makes the product, the fact that there's blockchain in it. Rather, it's, you need to have a game and then blockchain is kind of like a more efficient way to run a digital economy. And so the way all the digital economies run right now is in a centralized fashion on a database, you can't like cash out your money or anything. And so the, the vision I think is that those things are going to go from being centralized economies to being global, global economies with, that have global liquidity that anyone can trade with people all over the world. It doesn't actually, again, it doesn't change the gameplay. It kind of just makes the economy more efficient and makes it the incentive alignment more efficient. So that's, that's kind of how I see it playing in not, not affecting gameplay, affecting like incentives of, of the overall game. Yeah, I agree. Like, especially about the blockchain not being the product, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it is one aspect that kind of unlocks new ways of interacting within the game and hopefully enhancing that, that experience. There's also this big cohort of gamers that have quite a bit of backlash on blockchain gaming, whether it's hyper-financialization or what have you. But thinking about these gamers and the backlash, what what valid arguments do they have against integrating blockchain or NFTs within a gaming ecosystem? I think, again, this is coming from confusion of what is, like, again, casting blockchain gaming as like one, one the first attempt at it. Basically, when, when gamers say, oh, we don't like blockchain gaming, what they're meaning, what they really are trying to say is, we don't like games where you can like buy power, where you can, they're like over-financialized. They're just purely based on speculation. They're not fun because those, everything I've just said is what blockchain gaming has been to this point. And so if you don't dive deeper, then yes, it looks really dumb on the surface. I think in the long term, it's not going to like, it's going to be invisible to people. It's going to be like, I play my game. If I like am XX rank at the end of the season, I get money. If I like, win five games in a row or I log in seven days in a row, I get, it's very hard for me to see why a gamer would not like these kind of like very basic incentivization mechanisms that make the game loop better. I think in general, like the, 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 the best thing that I would say about like the critics right now is that the main mistake of like, again, blockchain games with quotes as like what has happened so far is that they've tried to reinvent too many things. They're not, they're, there's a lot of gaming best practices we should not be reinventing. So what are some examples? Like it's typically not good practice to be able to buy power in games. And even especially, it's also not good to have like high barrier to entry games where to even start playing the game, you have to spend hundreds of dollars. Actually, there's been like a huge takeover in gaming in general of like free to play. Free to play before, about pre 2010, by the way, was like kind of a laughable thing. Since then, Free-to-play is about like 80% of, of, the, of the gaming market. It's like ridiculous. Free-to-play is just clearly the best way to make games. Anyone, in my opinion, anyone who's not, who's not doing a free-to-play game now is like making a game incorrectly. And so that's like one very basic one where I'm like, okay, the, I, I just completely disagree with the concept of like paying hundreds of dollars before you get into a game. I think another thing they've been doing wrong is like, again, the, the best model, the best models typically are where you don't, where you can't buy power typically the best the best games that people love the most are like you can play the game and then you the way you pay money is like oh i want to look cool or i want to like express myself in some way and so again i think this is like where we can learn from what are the games that have done really well and let's just copy those models but we can again make the economy more efficient but let's not try and reinvent like oh what how how should we do user onboarding how like how should what type of assets should we sell i, I just think they're trying to re reinvent too many things 
Yeah, that makes sense. And when you say which like best practice models should we mimic? You mean not within a blockchain, but just selling skins and like having this, even if it's on a centralized server, or do you mean they've already integrated like blockchain based aspects into their game? I think what I mean is like the general like architecture of a game. So the, or the general business model of a game. And so the way like games used to work is that it's like you would buy like an Xbox game, right? I pay $60, I get the disc. I have my game now. The way games work now, more like a vast majority of games work now is like the game is actually completely free to play. And then people will, a lot of people will play it. You have a very wide funnel. And then basically most people don't pay anything. And then you have like smaller percentage of players that will be very willing to pay, pay for like time speed ups or, or skins. These are typically the two things you pay for. And this is actually just, it has turned out to be a much better business model of how to approach games because you're able to, you have no barrier of entry. Anyone can try your game. And then people who really, really like your game, they spend much more than they would have. They like, they spend much more than $60 and it's because they really like it. And they also don't feel like they're not being like scammed for this or something, right? They're like, I'm choosing to spend money because I like this game. And then the vast majority of people, they're just like, I'm playing for free. I'm fine looking like generic. That's fine. And so that's, I, this is like in general, just a good business model for games. It's again, been very dominant. It's about 80% of games now. I think another thing most blockchain games have been doing is they've been building for browser, which is like a very, very weird decision. Browser games are like completely dead. Even so console and, uh, and PC are actually combined are less than mobile. And so I think again, anyone who's, who's not building mobile right now is like pretty questionable you have to I, unless you're like a triple a gaming studio I, I would say like not building a mobile game is like not a good strategy yeah and presumably that's because these are crypto people that are making the jump into gaming and all the crypto like who's gonna move millions of dollars into DeFi protocols on their phone <laughs> not many people so it's optimized for web so that's like the way that they think about it are there any are there any blockchain game like games that have integrated blockchain aspects now that are doing it well and if so like what aspects are they doing really well it's also that's okay good, to say not that many i yeah it's hard just for me to say one that's good right now i would say one of the better ones i've seen is alluvium i think that they have they're like doing this interesting thing where you basically like buy land and then that then they have like a mobile game and then in the mobile game you basically like earn tokens from your land and you use that in the PC game. That's like kind of an interesting model because it's kind of like they're making like a companion experience where you're like, okay, well, passively, like I, it's kind of like a clash of, it's basically they're, they have like uh, Pokemon plus clash of clans. So it's like, we have this clash of clans game, you generate tokens and then in the tokens you use it in our like Pokemon-esque game. So that's like kind of interesting model. Overall, I would say like, no. And the reason is because I think people are approaching it completely wrong. I think that they're, they're approaching it first from the angle of we have these like tokens or we have like an economy where, where we want to design. Let's like add a game to it. I think again, the model is like, the economy doesn't have to be that complex. Just use what exists for games right now, right? Like the most, here, the most here's the most popular gaming business model. I'll give the secret away. You, it's a, you make a free to play game, you make it competitive, you make it skill-based and then you sell skins. That is the most popular business model game. All the, the highest earning games all right now do that. So wait, what if we just did that and then instead of, instead of like the skins being centralized, you make the skins NFTs, you let people trade them secondary markets. 
and then you like rewarded players for playing with some percent, right? Maybe like you say, okay, 10% of things you, you give back to like the top, top like 500 players or you reward people on, on some cadence. This is like a very basic model. We're doing something similar to that, but I think just approaching it from that angle of like, here's how games work. How can we use crypto to make that more efficient as opposed to here's how our economy works. How can we add a game onto it is the, is the correct approach. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have NFTs as skins that are tradable, transferable, and then you have a token, like a fungible token that's like basically play to earn a bit, like based on your earnings. What have you learned from like Axie Infinity and their token model in terms of like redesigning yours for fives? Because this still is kind of a rewards token, still a bit of play to earn, but I guess what have you learned from how they did it and redesigning the way that you're doing it? I think that the, I guess I'll talk about Axie first. So I'm actually in general, the, the, the way their economy works is that you have to pay money to buy like an Axie. And then when you get one, you can now, when you get three, you can now play the game. When you play the game, you earn like, SLP, which is like to breed more axes, then you can breed more axes and sell them. And then new people can now buy it to enter the game, right? So all of the here, the, the key thing to note here is that where do the profits of this game come from that you're actually paying out to people? The profits of this game come from creation and selling of more axes. So that is like kind of the, the thing to highlight and that that is not sustainable. That the profit of the game is coming from introduction selling to new players who are trying to play our business model is again we're basically just copying like league of legends like fortnite like these type of games they've done pretty well the their model is basically this skill based it's like competitive game sell skins and so it's a much more sustainable model because you're just you're like it's the game is inherently fun and people are willing to buy skins what we've done with the token aspect is we're just saying hey what is what is like the actual but the unique feature of crypto, in my opinion, like one of the, the, the best, most unique features is that players can share, or not players, any user of, of a token can share financial upside in this thing, right? And so we are basically just, we are tying the earnings of our token, not to the sale of axes or the sale of this like in-game asset, but actually we're just saying, hey, we sell skins in the game. We're just reserving a percentage of our skin sales to go back to players. And so it's actually just a much more direct model of saying like, hey, this is the game business model. We're using the token to basically redistribute this. And so as the game becomes more popular and more people want to buy skins, you can earn some of the, some of this and be like an owner in the game. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, that does. I mean, the thing that always jumps into my mind with owner of is like securities and regulatory hurdles, but nothing is insurmountable. I think we'll get there eventually, but you know, those things kind of, scare me maybe perhaps i think one thing so one thing we're doing with regards to that is that if you make this thing we actually want to reward people who play the game so we don't want you to actually be able to trade this so one thing we're doing is that when you play the game uh you can it's you're not earning like a fungible token you're just earning like points that add up over the course of like let's say the the, the game season so one one month and then basically the number of points that you have is like is how much you can earn and so this is actually it's not security right you're just earning points and we're it's kind of like a tournament system where you it's there's no there's no rules against paying paying people who are doing well in your game and so all we're doing is all we're saying is hey we have a more efficient payment network 
we don't we don't have to like send like get your bank information and stuff you've played the game you've proved you're engaging you've earned points by doing and then every season will pay out to these players based on their points if you play the game more if you win the game more if you rank up more you get more money and then every season you kind of reset and so the benefit of this model generally is like okay it's very aligned with like the incentive of a game I, we're not just we're not kind of speculating we're saying you get more when you play you get more the better you do and then now you as a player also if i'm a good player i actually want more of my friends to play because now the prize pool is basically going to be bigger if like more more of my friends are playing and so this is again kind of what i was getting at where when you have a game or when you have anything that that a user can be an owner of as opposed to just being like a player they now have a different mindset where they say okay i want more people to participate in this ecosystem because i have upside when the game does better yeah, that makes sense. We've danced around it quite a bit, but let's talk about fives, like what inspired you to build this and ultimately what it is. Yeah, for sure. So the one liner is it's like NBA jam with Fortnite skins. And so I'm just a really big basketball fan. I think that like there, I played a lot of these basketball games growing up and there hasn't really been a good one for a while. Uh, so we're making like an arcade basketball game for mobile. And then the the difference is that rather than playing with like different NBA players. It's kind of like you get to choose your avatar and like these are and like you can customize your guy fully with like dunk animations or celebrations or like on court walk on. So kind of combining those two concepts of like and the, the NBA jam style of like go, getting on fire, dunking on people. And then you also get to be like, oh, if you want to be a dragon or you want to be like a robot or you want to have like a 360 crazy dunk or whatever your animation is, kind of giving your you the, free, the freedom and ability to customize and express yourself. So that's kind of like the the high level of what it is super cool and i you won't allow skins or pfps from other areas in your game right is this a total fluke like a misunderstanding of people with nfts thinking that gaming you'll have this little like board ape avatar that you can move across all of your games that well, I, I guess is that a common misconception within blockchain gaming it's hard to say so in theory, it can be done. It's just, you have to make like, there's a difference between like a PFP and like a 3D model in a game that's rigged that actually like works with all the animations, right? And so there's basically nothing stopping us from saying, hey, let's make a 3D model for your ape. And then you can like put that into the game, but someone has to make that. And so we may make that, we may not make that. I, the, in, well, I would say we may, we may not make it, but in the long term, the idea is that we want to have like a third-party skin marketplace where anyone can make their skins, and basically you can set, you can basically sell and do stuff there. So even if we don't make it, someone else could make it later. But and so I would say like the the larger question was about like portability of of assets in games. That's like a very complex topic. I would say most of the time it's not like what will not work, but in our specific case, it could be done much more easily. Yeah, and scalable if you have that skin marketplace, so you're not building out all of these and kind of the market determines. I, you are an experienced dev, but new to building games, right? I am. My co-founder is a game developer. What's been your biggest learning so far of like welcome to game development that you didn't know before? That's a good question. I think you have to just you have to be very very iterative. I think that it's much less like I would, this is probably just like, I would say consumer products in general. It's like very, pretty different from like B2B in that 
I think you start out with an initial thesis or theme or concept, and then you kind of have to just like be very willing to like change the, a lot of the details along the way based on like, based on just making some small prototypes, evaluating how you feel about it. And so the game, like the game concept, it was always basically like a basketball game. We tried a few versions of that. We basically like built those, play tested those. And like, we have just continuously made it better. And like, this is kind of like the more solidified vision after many iterations. And like, what I learned is that that's like not a bad thing. That's just how all the best games are made is that you have to just, you, it starts with some like rough, rough concept and you just have to kind of like keep chiseling away at it. Be okay with throwing away a lot of things. That's like the only way to make games. In, in fact, once you, once you stop doing that, that's like when you really get screwed. So that's, I would, that's probably the, the main thing. Yeah. And which it's easier said than done. It's good startup principles of like build, measure, learn, and like be, be embarrassed by your first version, but you're getting that feedback loop started so you can test yeah. these hypotheses. But I would imagine with something like game development that takes a time, it takes some time. It's tough to like literally throw away pieces that you like, but, but I kind of like that, <laughs> you know? Well, that's, that's the other thing is that we've learned how to make smaller prototypes Yeah. <laughs> so that your, your, your feelings are less hurt when you throw it away. Cause so now we're, now we'll just like, when we're, if we're testing things, we're like, all right, let's just put a box here, like the most raw prototype just to test. Like, I think it's just, you, you get better at running experiments. Right. Um, actually another learning, this is probably counterintuitive to what most people think the game development tools now are insanely powerful. Like, being a game developer like 10, 15 years ago is way, way, way harder than it is now. Like the engines are incredible. We can focus so much more on just what we're doing. And a lot of it is taken care of by like, we, where our game is an Unreal Engine. So it's just shocking how much stuff has been done. Like I have no idea how the fuck people were making games in like 1998 <laughs> or something. Yeah, well, it, a, a lot more work and probably bigger teams. And you can do more with small teams with these tools now. And, and iterate and learn much more quickly. Yeah, interesting. It's much like the, I would say, on-prem to cloud shift where we're like, we're not racking servers anymore. I think the same thing is basically happening to game development where like the engines are becoming so powerful that I think smaller, less experienced teams are going to be able to create games much more easily than they did before. Similar to how like, again, like web apps and web, like web two companies blew up once like AWS and cloud services became available because now it's just like, all right, yeah, write my app, deploy it to the cloud, infinite scale. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I, I, with, with something like this, I mean, I'd be curious to know your go-to-market strategy because B2C mobile game, like obfuscating the blockchain aspect. So it's still fun to play, but you're, you're marketing toward the masses with something like this. So very, I would imagine competitive space of like mobile free game. So what's, what's kind of the go-to-market strategy here and, uh, and making fives relevant to the, the average person? Yeah, that's a good question. I think this is one of the reasons why we basketball is so relevant actually is because sports gaming in general has been very stagnant. And so this is like being able to leverage which, what is the fastest growing sport in the world what's like number one in Gen Z in US, number one in China, number one in Philippines, number one in like a lot of regions that are on the rise of for, for mobile gaming. This like one, just being able to leverage an existing passion is a good base to start from. So that's like one already difference between many games where if you're like just making like a generic like shooter game or you're making like a generic, um, I don't know, like catching game or like, what it, like something like this, people basically want there, there's a whole a, a passion gap where they're like, oh, I really like this sport. There's not really a good way to represent on mobile. So that's like 
I would say higher level theory in terms of more tactical, what we're doing games now, because mobile gaming and gaming in general is very competitive. It's like you would have to spend a lot of money on ads. The best way to really get users is influencers. And so for us, we're going after three main groups. One is NBA players, one is Twitch streamers, and one is YouTubers. And what we're doing again, since we have this skin model, we're basically targeting people who are like related to our theme. So maybe like basketball YouTubers or, or game streamers or NBA players making skins for them in the game and then saying, hey, um, we'll basically do profit sharing with you now on these skins. And so it's kind of like how like Nike would sign a deal with LeBron and say like, okay, yes, you, you're gonna get like revenue on, on this thing. So, but you, you promote the shoes. And so we're basically working with a lot of these like top influencers that are again have shared interest area with us and saying hey we like you are now aligned with us as the game so you can and like your fans now will, will basically want to you you should talk to your fans they're going to want to have your skin in the game you're going to get upside in that so having giving the creators upside and then i think what i said earlier back to like as a player if i'm earning money based on like if how the game does well it's like a, a little bit more built-in virality of like I'm an I'm an owner, so I, it's, I want to tell more people and onboard more people. So that's kind of my the th the th those are the three main things. One is like pick an ex pick an area people are passionate about basketball, go after influencers, align your incentives with them, and then align your incentives with the users. That's the general strategy. Yeah, good one. And there's just endless puns of skin in the game with something like this. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just endless. I would giggle every time I'm saying like that. I think those are good strategies. I'd be curious as a founder and what keeps you up late at night with designing and launching a game like, like Fives. That's a good question. I mean, I think number one right now is just like, fast iterations, making sure the game is fun. And, like, and until we can talk a lot about strategy and like macro about how these things plug in. But like, again, my view is that crypto is like a multiplier on network effects of something that's already good. And so we are just focusing fully on like making that, making the game experience good. And like, I would say, I mean, I would say that building and, and talent are like the, the top two things always I'm thinking about. I think like, I basically, I'm like, spend 0% of my attention on like macro crypto market. I think the premise of this is like pretty logical. I'm not really worried about that. And go to market again right now. I'm like, we have a good plan there. We have some good connects, but right now is not the time to like be hammering, go to market. So it's just actually building the product right now. Nice. Building and, and iterating and getting early feedback and making sure that it's it's got all of those aspects. Are, your plan is to basically centralize obfuscate all of the like blockchain based aspects and then like sprinkle them in as necessary but like focus on gameplay and making it making it great first yeah basically the a lot of the blockchain stuff is is basically completely hidden away so you have a, a lot of it actually is we're doing these assets like by default will live off chain and then basically if you want to like mint it on chain we will mint it for you and you pay gas but this is kind of how we're getting around the like scale issue of how do you do many transactions. I think that the reality is that most things you don't care about it being on chain because it's like pretty low value. You would rather just have it be free and instant. And then you have like 1% of items. You're like, this is my insanely sick like skin. It's $1,000. So I want to have this one in my wallet. Sure, have hold that one. But like for all of your like $5 items, I don't think it's like a good use of anyone's time.
Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Are are you thinking about different blockchains and like pros and cons, or is it more like ETH Polygon because that's got the adoption and that's where we want to go? Or how do how do you think about that? Yeah, I think we're we're built on ETH, not no layer two, just ETH mainnet. And again, my rationale is because the strengths of a blockchain are that you have global liquidity and you have this like financial network that anyone like you can you can you can buy shit with it. And so the problem with, and it's also, it's this thing is also decentralized. No one can take your money away from you. The problem is that with basically every layer two or alt chain, you then lose these, one of these two properties. So either you lose liquidity or you lose decentralization. And so in my opinion, that's, if you lose one of these two things, like you've lost the whole premise of, of like the blockchain. And there's a lot of, chains that are trying to basically do like high throughput sent more centralized models for me that doesn't make and, and and the objective is let's achieve let's have very low gas fees for me that doesn't make sense because you're not again you're not doing the thing that a blockchain does well the thing that a blockchain does well is it's like it's decentralized and you have like liquidity of the of the network if you want to have no gas or low gas fees and have like high security and have high throughput that's called a database. So like, let's not, let's not like mix up where the technologies are going to be used. Uh, databases are not like going to zero. Databases are still pretty lit. They're, they're good technology. So like, let's use that for what it's good for. And then again, like I view the ETH L1 is like, this is the financial settlement settlement layers. Like when you want to do high value transactions, this is where you're going to be doing it. So that's kind of how I view it. And I think a lot of the like layer twos are, just like too centralized right now, liquidity is too fragmented. You're just not really getting the benefits of of actually doing blockchain transactions. You're getting a centralized database that you don't control anyway, so you might as well just have the centralized database anyways, right? It's actually it's slower than a database, more expensive, yeah, yeah. and centralized. So it's like, what? I don't understand what I'm doing here. Growing pains, growing pains. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> but yeah, these are the these are the steps. You know, you don't snap your fingers and it's fast, instant, cheap, and decentralized. But we'll yeah, get there. That's a, that's a good point. I think that I could definitely see a world where, like, again, we're kind of doing this is a very bleeding edge concept. I could definitely see a world where, in like two, three years, there's like a few L2s that have really, really big liquidity, and they're actually like more scalable than than ETH. And so maybe then you have like you have like a double escalation system, right? Like you can say, okay, actually most, most of our like expensive transactions happen on this L2. And then only if you're selling like 100K plus items, then it's happening on, on L1. Just right now, I just think that's not the case. And so, and also ETH is like low enough traffic where it's like, okay, if you're basically, if you have like more than a few hundred dollar item you're doing, you don't really care about whatever, what is it? 10, 10, $20. It's like not, not even that much right now. That's what Yeah. Yeah, but still, that's 10% of the value, right? Like you do a couple transactions. I mean, layer one and layer two scaling is what will allow the ETH to scale as a chain. And we'll get there, but it's early days with all this stuff. Early days with blockchain gaming, early days with the thing that it's built on, which is the blockchain. So, of course, like all the other things that are springing up on top also are early days. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, this is going to be one of those things that if you watch it in a few years, it's going to be like, oh, that, that seems dumb. But in the moment, I think it's still the best strategy for basically like the bridging period. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, I mean, bridges alone, right? It's like my, my buddy like just looked at them and he was like, no, never using them. Don't use them. 
Like, <laughs> it's like, that's kind of like the only way to do it. He's like, don't care. Nope, not touching them. <laughs> and this was like pre the Ronin hack and all of this. And I, I just like keep sending him articles. He's like, it's the beginning. Like, there's going to be way more. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it happens. It is what it is. Well, Sami, I, I really appreciate this conversation. Again, like super early for my listeners, uh, but but love digging into this stuff and kind of uh, start thinking about where it could go. For my listeners, where where can they find out more about you, about Fives? Where would you like to send them? I'm on Twitter, so at Sami the Great, S-A-M-E, the Great. And then our site is is really, really cool. We have a great trailer. I would highly recommend anyone who's, who's interested at all with what I've said, go check out our site and trailer, Project Fives. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, brother. And I'll, I'll see you in New York. Yes. Yeah, see you soon, bro. There you go. First off, thank you very much for listening all the way through. I hope you got a lot of value out of that conversation. As always, you can find show notes, links, and more at altassetallocation.com. Please share this with anyone you think might be interested and derive any value from this conversation. And as always, you can reach out to me for any feedback or questions. Please give the video a like, or even better, subscribe on YouTube or your podcast player of choice. This really helps others find the podcast or the video as well. Thanks a lot. Hope everybody has a fantastic day and stay safe out there and invest wisely. Cheers.